In a world where options are limitless, but time is not, two heroes take a stand against injustice and overwhelming viewing choices. Starring Jane Ellen and Adam Cravens. A podcast that lets you know what's worth watching and what's not. From the Hints and Oakley Podcast Center, this is Binge or Cringe. Hello and welcome to Binge or Cringe. I'm Jane Ellen. And I'm Adam Craig. We have so much to talk about. First, I'm going to talk about with what I saw just hours ago, and it is called Prom. I'm assuming it's about prom? Yes. All right. It is on Netflix, and I'm going to have to look it up because it was... A Broadway show, and and I don't know who wrote it, and I need to find out because lyrically, <laughs> it's fabulous. Just uh, Matthew Sklar. Hmm. Well, I should perhaps look that up. But anyway, Matthew Sklar is genius when it comes to lyrics. Uh, in a much like Lin-Manuel is genius, but this is, a, I'm going to say more co-portery in that you know what word's going to come next, and you're delighted that you know that, that he's going to, of course, use uh, lesbian and thespian. There's a reason. I'll get to it. But more than that, there, there are some that aren't even that surface. And it is a delight. Musicals really are a... Uh, like a very refined, like uh, the good ones, at least. Um, I I think if you'll look at a lot of, and I, and I'm bringing up Disney because they seem to be kind of the one that m- gets most associated with that stuff. Um, the the non Disney films and their lack of success in the late '90s kind of shows you what it's not just putting a musical out there that will necessarily get you. Um, eyeballs or money or box office or what uh, the film version of rent mm-hmm. i would have assumed it would have done a lot better mm-hmm. than it did well this apparently prom was on broadway in 2018 and this version had a limited release in theaters but not around here on december 4th and now it's on netflix let me share just a few names in it do you know anything about it at all i don't meryl streep I've heard of her. James Corden. I know of him. Nicole Kidman. Wow, they 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 do have quite the cast there. Keegan Michael Key. Okay, you don't know. Carrie Washington. No, I I do, I do know Carrie Washington. Tracy Ullman. Mary Kay Place. Man, they they really kind of stacked the deck on that one. I enjoyed it so much that I'm going to have to rewatch it because I know there were some lyrics that I did not hear. It's not all singing. Here, let me tell you what it's about. So, <sighs> Meryl Streep, by the way, she's a pretty good actress. And imagine Meryl Streep uh, as, oh, why can't I think of her name? I'm ready for my close-up. What, uh, the... Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, her. What that character? I can't. Name? I can't think. Demo Desda. Whatever. So she is a three-time Tony winner, who's not quite past her prime, but nearing it. Looks amazing. Dresses to the nines at all times, and she is starring in a Broadway show with James Corden, and his character is playing. FDR, and she is playing Eleanor Roosevelt in a Broadway musical called Eleanor. 
and Eleanor ex- exclamation mark. pretty much yeah. and so it begins at the after party where they're reading what's going on and Eleanor closes the night it opens Ouch. and it's funny oh it's funny so it's it's a little bit of springtime for Hitler if you will <laughs> uh, it's so funny and so she's down they're all down and they said well we need something we need something to get behind we need a cause. And it turns out that there is this young lady in, in the Midwest, and she just wants to go to her prom. And it turns out that she likes the girls. And by the way, her girlfriend is not known to anyone. It's just she wants to take her girlfriend to the prom. And the principal is fine with it. But the PTA says that she can't because she would be in danger. And so the principal says, well, the prom should be all-inclusive. And she says, I just want to go to the prom, you know? I don't want to be a big deal. I don't want to be the, the one you're going to point to and say, oh, it's because of her. It's like, I just want to go to the prom, all right? Just leave me alone. I just want to go to the prom. So things happen. She she goes to the prom. She gets all made over by James Corden. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot the best part. They show up. These, these New Yorkers show up to small-town America to open their minds, to teach them the way of jazz hands and Broadway with a traveling group of players doing Godspell, which gets canceled. And there's so much, so many levels of comedy and just great pop-sounding songs, but... The lyrics are delightful. One of the things that makes a lot of musicals kind of something that you can watch over and over again, it kind of gives you that that renewed interest every time. I mean, in the same way that you can listen to an album while you're, you know, mm-hmm. like cleaning or doing dishes or whatever, like musical, like, okay, most television shows you need to kind of sit down to really appreciate, mm-hmm. like you need to pay attention to what's going on there. Musicals, like I said, in the same way that like an album or or anything like that, or you know your playlist, um, you can have that on in the background because you don't necessarily have to be watching, you know, the jazz hands or or what have you on it. And from and from what you're describing to me, the the if the songs are on the level that you're describing, um, it, it is going to have some significant uh, like rewatch ability to it. Absolutely. And really, I, I mean, you could project what the story is going to be, obviously, but it's just so good. Okay, the songs. I just want to give you some song titles to give you an idea. Oh, see, look, someone agreed. The true spectacular of the prom is its songs. Yeah, the songs. And... Just give me a list of songs for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah, heartwarming. I don't care. Give me the songs. Okay. Changing Lives. Eh, that's fine. Changing Lives is how uh, Meryl Streep and James Corden's characters talk about because they're, you know, actors and they're, they're changing lives. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> well, I mean, again, like the, your, your song itself is always going, but when you've got talent like... Meryl Streep and James Corden, like they're also people that can elevate material that might not be as impressive without. If you've got good material and good performers, like 
it's only going to make everything better. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not giving me any lyrics from these, but uh, It's Not About Me is where you have Meryl Streep singing about how they're here to help Emma and then saying it's not about me, the Meryl Streep character, when it's clearly about her, and she is magnificent. Now, I know you might not have heard that word connected with Meryl Streep, but magnificent. The whole thing is a delight. And as I'm watching it, I'm, of course, thinking of you, Adam. And I thought, you know, Adam doesn't really love musicals, but he would love this musical. That's, it's you, you delicious. May be, you may be the first person that's ever watched a musical and and thought of me. Yeah, I totally was. I'm, like, I, I have to. I'm, I'm pretty certain. Or, I mean, if if anybody has, I've never had it indicated to me, at least. You have to. You just have to. So, anyway, prom, the prom, whatever. Uh, is on Netflix right now, and you need to see it. The end. You need to see it. That's, that's about just, as glowing a review as as you can give uh, something. It's delightful. <laughs> it really, really is. You're listening to Binge or Cringe, brought to you by Hinson Oakley Family Dentistry. Jane Ellen talking with Adam Cravens about what is worth watching in the streaming media. And we're going to talk about a few things on this point. First, I don't want to forget... Uh, Mank is also on the Netflix. Which is David Fincher's latest movie. You have undoubtedly heard of something he has done. Uh, Seven, um, Alien 3, um, The Game, um, Panic Room, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Gone Girl. Um, He is one of the more gifted directors uh, working today. And I, I'm assuming with the the darkness that he likes to go to or subjects that make people uncomfortable, I, I'm guessing films that he wants to make are getting more and more difficult to make. So a an outlet like Netflix is probably very attractive to him. Well, this particular – this is – you may have heard of the name Mankiewicz, but you've probably heard of – Joseph Mankiewicz. And Joseph Mankiewicz is in here, but this is Herman Mankiewicz. Herman Mankiewicz was an amazing writer and an extraordinary alcoholic. Oh, well, I guess we buried it as well. It's it's about kind of the making of Citizen Kane. Yes, and the guy who is playing Orson Welles, he, he, without doing an imitation of Orson Welles, he captures his tone and his look and you know there are no prosthetics or anything it's just he's he's got it and it's delightful so yes it's all about how mank is how everyone calls him how he wrote citizen kane and he was just writing it without credit and how he then ended up winning an oscar for it for the screenplay that he wrote that he had to share with Orson Welles. I don't know Orson Welles personally. Mm-hmm. However, um, everything that I have ever read about him and seeing a- as he's an individual that, like, you know, wrote, pro- produced, starred, mm-hmm. directed, um, he seems like he enjoys himself. A lot. a lot. Yes. Like a lot, a lot. Like yes. he's not one of those people that's like, no, you're you're the real hero. No, here. no, 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 Like no. I just, listen, I just helped you out. Like you're you're the real hero. I don't need any of this credit. Like I'm assuming he, 
he liked seeing his name. He enjoyed Mm -hmm. the sound of his voice. And in the same way that Kevin Reynolds and Kevin Costner had difficulty working and Kevin Reynolds at one point said, well, from now on, he can work with his favorite actor and director himself. Yes. I I, I assume that that Orson Welles uh, shared that uh, with, with Kevin Costner. Yes. And you get to see a great deal of Richard Randolph Hearst. And then you explain to your children who Patty Hearst is, and no one's listening at that point. But it's how um, Herman Mankiewicz interacted with these people and why he chose to pattern the the whole thing after William Randolph Hearst and it's fabulously done. It's filmed in black and white, and it certainly is worth your time, even if you don't know who all these people are. Which is also probably a no-go for theaters uh, nowadays. Like Fincher, who also directed uh, Fight Club, likes to make movies that don't necessarily have marquee value. Like he's not going around I, going. I thought it was brilliant. Well, I, there's no there's no shortage of brilliance mm-hmm. in his movies. They're just not necessarily bankable in the same way that me going, all right, James Cameron wants to make a movie about robots that fight blue things and there's explosion. Like that, that has a dollar value mm-hmm. right there. Like both of them are, are excellent directors. It's just David Fincher likes to pick subjects that like you don't necessarily want to show up to 70, 80, you know, $90 million opening weekend mm-hmm. for. It doesn't mean that he isn't brilliant. Uh, it doesn't mean that his films aren't good. But um, say, like, the last film that he released on a very commercially viable uh, Didn't day. Didn't he do Blue Velvet? I don't no. believe so. But, uh, I mean, he did Girl with a Dragon Tattoo that was released on Christmas. And that film, um, for as much as you and I like to celebrate um, Batman Returns and Die Hard, which are not traditional Christmas movies, man, if you have not seen Girl with a Dragon Tattoo... That film is dark. David Lynch, see? There we go. That's how I mix it up. David. David. Okay. So, uh, Mank, you need to seek out because because it's a good movie. And, I mean, if you've got Netflix, um, like, it didn't go to theater. So, like, literally is the only place that you can see it. It's just a good movie. And I want to say it opened on, on the streaming giant very recently. Yeah. So it's still even new to new to there. And it's is worth your time. Now it's not the kind of thing that you can really have on while you're doing stuff. No, Fincher definitely definitely like most of his work requires that you're paying attention to it or you will lose just mountains of information and be sitting mm-hmm. there going, Wait, what's going on now? And I can say that I enjoyed it at a different level because I know who all those producers and directors are. And I know some of what they're already talking about and some of it I didn't know. But you don't have to have that knowledge to realize it's a good movie. It's You probably get a little bit more from it, but it, it doesn't necessarily... Like, all of his films are, are very easily like, digestible. Um, like, okay, Zodiac. You don't have to know everything about the Zodiac Killer to enjoy that movie. Didn't I just read a headline that I did not click on that said they finally figured out the code? And I mean, you, you may have. I don't I don't um, have access to your eyes or your memory. So <sighs> whatever. Um, and I, I don't I don't have your phone bugged. So I'm you I'm not, say I'm not sure. 
But that's something somebody that would bug your phone would probably do. I mean, I thought I just read something today. And you're supposed to tell me the Zodiac 340 cipher cracked by code experts 51 years after it was sent. So that was one day ago. Okay, so you did. Hmm. You did. I still haven't read that, but I did read the headline several times, and I thought, I need to go and read that. Also also another enjoyable movie. It's got uh, Robert Downey Jr. in it. Um, David Fincher directed it. It's about the Zodiac Killer. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting movie that did not break all the box office records. Then you would assume hearing names like Fincher and Robert Downey Jr. in it, but this is also like pre-Iron Man before like mm-hmm. the P- RDJ was beloved. Uh, speaking of RDJ, I did watch Everything Wrong With Doolittle. Doolittle. Was it just, was it two hours? Did they just show the movie? It seemed, oh, oh, it was so awful. And it was maybe 14 minutes long. Adam, I didn't realize the amount of suffering that you had all over you when you watched that movie. Like, I had a tremendous amount of respect for the writer-director, and I've spoken on many occasions about how much I enjoy Robert Downey Jr. The voice cast is ridiculous. Antonio Banderas shows up on it, and there's a dragon. All of this sounded like such a good idea, and then you watch it, and you're like, oh, it's a it's a burning dumpster fire of mm-hmm. of baby diapers. And yet, because it came out before everything shut down, is it not one of the highest grossing movies it is, of the It year? is in the top 10 highest grossing films of the year. Yeah. But I mean, pretty much anything released in January or February is is that. Like Sonic the Hedgehog, Bad Boys for Life, which were both actually like entertaining movies, uh, are also up there and more than likely had a the normal Mm-hmm. summer been allowed to like those films would have dropped down considerably but as it was uh Doolittle was a major release and however much money it may have lost universal they can still at least they put can. on whenever they they re-release it to no acclaim um they can put on their one of the top 10 films of the year and they're not technically wrong yeah i have to say don't little I have to. Now, oh, I want to make sure I get this one right. Um There's another thing that you need to seek out because it really is much better than you may be thinking that I'm going to say it is. And it is on Disney Plus. Oh, I was going to get the name right, and I'm clearly not. It's, it's, It's about godmothers, but not, you know, that type. I think... I think I saw something pop up on Disney Plus when I was hurriedly trying to find Mandalorian so I could watch the newest episode of it. Yes, it is simply called Godmothered. Godmothered. And it is... It's a good movie. But it is better than I expected it to be. I expected it to be pleasant. I expected it to be pleasant. Disney movies can usually at least claim that. Yeah. I didn't expect it to be, oh, this is amazing. I just thought it would be pleasant. And Godfathered is about this, well, you know, fairy godmothers are real. And Jane Curtin is the fairiest godmotheriest of all of them. 
which I love. I can see that. And so she wrote the book on being a fairy godmother. I show you the book. And it is narrated by this this younger fairy godmother. Um, and she's not officially a fairy godmother. She's still taking the class. And all the other fairy godmothers are much longer in the tooth. And they're much over it. And apparently... Happily ever after isn't working, and much like all now, the other Disney stuff, is happily ever after a place? Is it just a, in general? Is, people, is it is it like when when I see a Christmas movie and they're like, there, "There's no Christmas cheer." The that's the reason why the North Pole doesn't have energy. Yes, it's exactly okay. like that. All right, because happily ever afters just aren't really working. All of the fairy godmothers are going to have to become tooth fairies. Is that, is that looked down upon? Well, they want to seems... grant wishes. And the, the things they're taught to do is a, a sequin gown turns the frown upside down. Like I would... And so they have to make a gown, and then they have to, you know, turn pumpkins into carriages, and then they have to get to the happily ever after. I mean, isn't in, in the same way that, like, Kramer was making claims of being an anti-dentite, um, yes. it is saying that about... Tooth fairies, not I, it isn't is that not some sort of like derogatory slur? Um, it, I feel Stephen Merchant should have been there to explain. I mean, I that. would. I, I feel like it. I don't. I don't know though. So here's the fun part, and and when it's done well, it's always entertaining. But you have the the fairy godmother in training. She has found a letter from an 11 year old girl who wants this, this, and this, and her happily ever after. And so she goes through the portal to help the girl. Turns out she's not 11 anymore. She's like 35. And <laughs> you've aged. Have you seen yourself? Anyway. That's kind of it. I mean, honest to goodness, if you're writing that blurb and like this is a high concept comedy mm -hmm. from like the late 80s or early 90s, that that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. Like, so you've got the fairy godmother in training who is in her gown the entire time. And she would be, when you're watching her, you're going, she looks so familiar. It's like, oh, it's a much younger Kathy Najimy character, but not quite her, but her. You know what I'm saying? I mean, vaguely, yes. Like this, it's, like, oh. it's a very interesting description of an individual that's not actually the individual yes. that you're talking about. And that's exactly what she's doing. And she's... She's fun, she's funny, and she's she makes everything better. And so the whole thing is about how she has failed making the happily ever after because she only had 48 hours, and if she does not make that happily ever after, then she cannot return and she loses all of her magic. So... That is the whole thing. Can she do the happily ever after? She's got the time constraint. And then, of course, Jane Curtin is all, rah, 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 rah. and then she goes and gets her, and stuff happens, and why, there you go. Why is stuff in film, all, like, okay, in uh, what the, the 1999 Mummy, they're just like, oh, we wanted, to, we wanted to curse the priest because he did this, but if he's allowed to do this, he becomes an unkillable monster that, that could... Um, control the world, and I'm just like, wait. Well, why didn't you just do some more, something more traditional to torture him instead of having that little caveat there at the end, where they're like, he could become an all-powerful like demigod that terrorized uh, people, and it gives him uh, limitless powers. And they're like, well, why don't we just not do that? And instead, like, 
I don't know, tie him up by his toes, like mm -hmm. water torture him or something. I mean, why don't mm. we do that instead of maybe making him immortal? I, they never. They don't get into that part where they're just like, ah, oh, the magic will disappear. And I'm like, well, can we take the timer off it? Like, is this just the trial version? Like, what what, what can we do? Can it just be there? No. All right. So there's, this is the kind of film where I think if you have children who are initially not interested, dare I say, 10-year-old boys. I can see that. Who yeah. you might be forcing to watch it. I believe there's enough comedy that it's just... I'm not going to say it's super fun. I enjoyed watching it more than I thought I would. I thought I simply wouldn't hate it. But I enjoyed watching it. And I think that for a family thing, you will find that more family members will enjoy it than maybe at first when you go, oh, we're going to watch Godmother. And they're going to go, oh, uh, no, we're not. I think they would enjoy it. Unexpected expectation um, can, can be a good thing. And I do have to wrangle my boys very often yes. into uh convincing them like funny enough like I, I we've been on a harrison ford kick right now and we we watched the fugitive and canyon's like how many more they're like is this like indiana jones and there's five of them or you know whatever and i'm just like now there's only two and the second one's not quite as good but like harrison ford's his own franchise buddy like you can really Watch just about any Harrison Ford movie. And then I'm just except, like, except that one when he crashed a plane with uh, Six Days, Seven Nights. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and it's even directed by Ivan Reitman. Yeah, that oh, Ivan, Ivan Reitman, Reitman is behind Godmothered, and that is why it is pleasant. Man, how did we tie that? Wow. Yes, there that, that I'm goes. just boom. Yeah, when I saw Reitman, I went. Well, I assume it was I, maybe it was his kid. Is a Reitman is involved? That, and he was that sandwiched one, between two other people, but a Reitman was involved. That one sounds a, mo a lot more like Ivan Reitman. Like, his son tends to like the more dramatic, oh, like, material. Like, most of Ivan Reitman's stuff was that, like, you know, the you know the, the president gets uh, somebody that looks just like him mm -hmm. uh, in there, and he's not a jerk. Um, you know, my superhero ex, like, Ghostbusters. Like, those are the kind of movies he liked to do. His son seems to kind of skewer away from that, except for the upcoming Ghostbusters. Which, again, we would Need pay $40 a, to see right now. Maybe even 60 So angry that I haven't already watched it nine months ago. It's got Paul Rudd. Anyway, Godmothered was a lovely surprise on Disney+. And speaking of Disney+, what's coming soon? By soon, I mean the next eight months. I mean, and keep in mind when you say what's coming, like D Disney basically just did a drop, like a significant, just a, a thunderous thud of a drop. Mm -hmm. um, holy cow. Star Wars, Marvel. I mean, they just un like some of the stuff I knew was in the pipeline. Um, we've got a Lando uh, with the one from Solo, which is probably the closest we're going to get to a sequel. Um, really? To, they See, I haven't read all of it. I was just watching the Loki trailer over and over. That's It's Lando, like, not Billy Dee Williams. But the same now, actor from the Solo movie? Yeah, yeah. He was magnificent. What, that's what I, Well, I mean, yeah. Solo was actually yeah, magnificent. Yeah, he was really good. But, like, even in watching that, I, like, after it failed to meet box office expectations, I was just sitting there going, man, that's really, like... He nailed it 
yeah, as Lando did. Calrissian, like in Hope a way 45. that I did not think you would yeah. be able to recapture that. But he's getting his own show. There's a. Do you think maybe what's his face will pop in as Han? He doesn't seem to be doing quite as. I, I guarantee. I. I like him. I mean, I would. I'd watch it. Uh, I mean, and if Hayden Christensen's going to be in the Obi Wan yeah, show for how long? I don't know my feelings on that yet. I have to work that out. I, you know, I, I don't think all of the issues in the prequels are his fault. They're not. By the way, did you watch that beautiful trailer that I sent you? The I I did, the, but I have. It's the Obi Wan set to Cheers. The where everybody knows your name, which is from. absolutely something I would watch. Yeah, like a. A, a cheer style, <laughs> um, something set in the Star Wars like yes, universe. Cheers. I would, I would, I'm in. Anyway, uh, if you haven't been watching The Mandalorian, you're a fool. Um, or maybe you just haven't found the time. I highly recommend it. It's it gets better with every second. Like, and as as somebody that's not like even like I am not a a, a Boba Fett like loyalist. Like, I was not one of those people that's like, oh, he's fantastic. I've always maintained that the guy was kind of a goober that got shot by a blind guy down into a Sarlacc pit. Like, Boba Fett never did anything cool in the movies. Everything that you're basing this on is in, like, cartoons and books that aren't canon. Now, technically, Boba Fett is cool in canon, like, because it happened live action. And, man, if you did not see this episode, like, the Fett was on, kids. Uh-huh. Wow. Oh, yeah. Just thrilled and delighted all the way around. So, see? Good news. Um, Let's see. Uh, the What If series for uh, for the Marvel characters. Basically, What If was a comic book that would just ask questions like, what if this had happened mm-hmm. to this character instead? Or, you know, what if this character had died? So you're going to get to see them exploring that, but within the MCU, mm-hmm. um, which... Like, you know, what if Stephen Strange had become Iron Man or like there's there's so many you can literally do whatever it like um, looked like in the preview. One of them's what if Peggy Carter had have become uh, Captain Britain instead of Steve Rogers becoming Captain. But like it, it's just it's right for whatever story you want. It, as long as you can come up with a cool concept that kind of flips something we know traditionally on on its ear. Like, you've got, you know, 45 minutes, an hour long, whatever, like, within the concept of that. Uh, Captain America, or not Captain, uh, Winter Soldier and the Falcon. Uh, WandaVision, which looks to be setting up um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Mm-hmm. Thinking Wanda is probably going to be the one that creates the Multiverse of Madness. Hmm. She's, what what it looks like is she has created this own, like, dimensional reality where Vision isn't dead and they live together happily in this sitcom-style environment. Mm -hmm. And funny enough, the guy that played Quicksilver, not in Age of Ultron, but in X-Men Days of Future Past, has been cast in that. As Quicksilver? They're not saying. Oh, okay. But, I mean, as much as they are named... Like, if you have been listening to any of the casting decisions from Spider-Man 3, like Dr. Octopus... From Spider-Man 2 is back. Electro from The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is back. Reportedly, uh, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are in this. Like, apparently, like, this is going to be, like, just the throwdown of all Spider-Man movies. But you've got to open the multiverse 
somewhere. And it either happens in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, or we probably get a hint of it when Wanda, who has been crushed because her brother, whom she was closest to, and her lover, uh, husband, boyfriend, I, I don't know exactly what you want to call Vision, but like both of these people died don't pretty ever tragically. Don't say the word lover again. I, don't, I, 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 I wasn't sure exactly I what to... I don't know. All right. But I'm just saying, like, how cool would it be to see her bring Quicksilver back into existence? But somehow she she does it. So we call her Wanda now, and not the Red Witch. Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch. I mean, it's called Wandavision. I'm sure that's what her friends call her. I mean, she almost took Thanos out. So like, I know, but I never. I don't remember everyone saying, "Hey, Wanda, what up?" Well, I mean, or they, is that they just did. from reading? That's probably from reading. Okay. But I mean, like that's her name. Like that's what the weird, you know, Peter, Peter and the Wanda. That's what's what they what's what they called each other. But this one. Like I said, this show looks really interesting, and I'm thinking she probably gets a little separated from reality and creates her own here. That sounds super fun. Well, I look forward to watching a whole lot more TV. Or at the bare minimum, Disney+. Plus. At the bare minimum. So you have a lot to watch, so try and keep up. Thank goodness. Thank you for listening to Binge or Cringe. I'm Jane Ellen. And I'm Adam Craven. You've been listening to Binge or Cringe. Download your favorites and keep up with new episodes in the Hints and Oakley Podcast Center.